On this episode of the Get Stuck Podcast, I'm going to dive into the Detroit Tigers trade deadline disputes and how Al Avila needs to go. I am just sick and tired of his antics. He needs to go. Plus, I will be also describing the Big Ten Media Day from a few days ago and my initial reactions from the biggest coaches and some of the players as well, along with some more content for you coming up on the Get Stoked Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to the Get Stoked Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Austin Stokel. Welcome back on this glorious Tuesday as baseball is officially back in this midseason. The MLB trade deadline was today. And let me just say, teams made moves. It was amazing to see some of these moves. And the first one I wanted to start off with is San Diego and Washington. The San Diego Padres acquired outfield superstar Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell, and the Nationals got a treasure trove of prospects, such as left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore, outfielder Robert Hassell III, shortstop C.J. Abrams, outfielder James Wood, and right-handed pitcher Harleen Susana. Washington also got a veteran first baseman slash D.H., Luke Voigt and DH stands for designated hitter who do not for those who do not understand baseball. And the Padres on Tuesday also executed an additional deal before the trade deadline, acquiring third baseman slash utility man Brandon Drury from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for a shortstop prospect, Victor Acosta, and as it was announced, according to the article that I'm reading off my computer here. And Soto, who is a two-time All-Star who won this year's Home Run Dirty Derby, excuse me, enriches the Padres as a historically talented 23-year-old hitter whose early career peers are almost all Hall of Famers. He will benefit greatly from joining shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. and third baseman Manny Machado near the top of the Padres lineup. And with this addition to their lineup, this makes them the NL's team to beat. This makes them a front-runner contender. This boosts their hitting capabilities tenfold across the board. It is going to be impressive. I am going to be very excited to see what the Padres can do down the stretch as it is now August and playoffs are slowly getting around the corner here. And one thing I will say about all these trades happening is I wish Detroit did better. And I'll get to them in a hot second. But of course, another team I want to get to is the Seattle Mariners. They have been one of the hottest teams in all of baseball right now. And they just recently got off of a 14-game win streak to get second in their division. And I got to say, they have been... They've been eye-popping. They have made moves. They have got people's attention right now. And I got to say, I am just incredibly 
satisfied as a bandwagon Mariners fan on what they have been doing. And I, I, I'm a loss of words of what they've done. And that's kind of come back to me in a second for the Detroit Tigers. And they have supplemented themselves ahead of the trade deadline. Hope being their big splash of last week and some minor moves proved to be enough to end the longest playoff drought in baseball. So they have now the longest drought playoff drought in baseball currently, or not currently, previously, that belonged to the Chicago Cubs. And we all remember when they won the 2016 World Series against the Cleveland then-Indians. And that was a 100-year drought in the playoffs. Or excuse me, that was a 100-year drought of winning the World Series. And this is for the playoffs, though. But Seattle general manager Jerry DePito, or DePoto, excuse me, made a splash last week by acquiring Cincinnati Reds pitcher Luis Castillo to bolster the rotation before picking up a few lesser-known names the Mariners hope it will contribute down the stretch. And they were 55-49 entering today's game against the Yankees, which is going on right now. And they've... They've made some moves today. They've picked up a few players from the Dodgers. They've picked up a few players from every which way that I can think of. And I'm trying to find the names of who they picked up. And it is not showing me. So I'll come back to them in a second. And I want to turn my focus over to the Detroit Tigers. And the Detroit Tigers are a mess. They are a mess. They are a burning trash pile is I think is putting it lightly. And I I could go every which way with them. Uh but I'm going to go with a burning trash pile because this one just grinds my gears the most. Earlier today, Minnesota and Detroit made a deal where the Twins have acquired Michael Fulmer from the Tigers. And the Tigers get a 24-year-old double-A pitcher who has a 7.2 ERA, I think is what the accurate number is. And for those who know baseball, a 7.2 ERA may sound good. Or excuse me, for those who do not know baseball, a 7.2 ERA may sound good, but no, that is very, that's not that great. You want, it, the lower the ERA, the better pitcher you are. So the lower ERA you have, that means you have a better strike to hit ratio. You have, you produce more strikes and strikeouts than you do hits. You have less balls. You have, less errors and the higher it is you create more errors you create more walks you create more pitches outside of the strike zone and that of course I've seen some people's ERAs where it's 15 16 17 it is very high and it may not sound high but the highest I think I've ever seen was 20 but I've never seen that in a long time, and I don't think it will happen in a long time. That means you're a really bad pitcher. You're just throwing all over the place. You have wild pitches, all that. But the lower the ERA, the better pitcher you are. Like, for example, 
Justin Verlander has a career average of 3.5 ERA, I believe. And that that's actually pretty good. It could be lower, could be higher, but that's what I'm that's what I have from memory. And with Michael Fulmer, he was a very good closer for the Detroit Tigers. He was he was a good closer as he won more games that he lost. And he's according to his 2022 stats, uh, he has 39 strikeouts, a whip of 1.25, and an ERA of 3.2. So that's actually pretty good as a closer. And now that they've gotten rid of him, Al Avila, Al Avila needs to go. He is the He's not the general manager. Well, yes, he is the general manager. I take that back. He has been with the organization for so long that this could potentially be the third rebuild in the last 10 years. And how the cycle's gone with him is as it, once a player gets good, you trade him for prospects. And once those prospects get good, you trade those for more prospects. For example... Jose Iglesias is the most recent one I can think of from a few years ago. He was a phenomenal shortstop. He was just beginning to peak in his career or climb that peak. And then they traded him to Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly. Then he, I believe he's on Colorado now. But as he was getting good, Alavio said, all right, see ya. You're You're done. And that kind of angered people. But this one, with Michael Fulmer being a left-handed pitcher closer for the Detroit Tigers, a lot of people are up in arms saying, fire Al Avila. We cannot stand him anymore. And I, I tend to agree with him. He is making the Tigers look bad by giving away all of our good players to other teams for not-so-great prospects in the hopes of developing them in our minor league farm system. And, of course, they did not get rid of Tariq Skubal. They did not get rid of Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson or Javier Baez. They did not get rid of any of those. But for some reason, everyone's up in arms about Michael Fulmer getting traded from the Tigers. Yes, he was a great closer, but he wasn't an all-star closer. He wasn't a phenomenal closer. And he was with the Tigers for six seasons. And then they said, all right, yeah, see you. You're gone. Goodbye. And I, it's just, it was unexpected to say the least. And everyone, I can see where the anger is coming from. I can see where the disappointment is. And I have to agree. Alavio has got to go. We need to find someone else that can actually put the Tigers interests at heart, not just Chris Illich's. And Chris Illich is the owner of the Detroit Tigers and part owner of the Detroit Red Wings. And Chris Illich, I could say nicer things, but I'm not going to say meaner things. I'm going to say pretty in the middle things. Uh, He is someone, excuse me. He is someone who in the past few seasons has not been the greatest owner. Like Sheila Forham's mother with the Detroit Lions. As the organization is basically in shambles. The front office could be better. And the only bright side of the Detroit Tigers is their farm system with Toledo, with Erie, with West Michigan, with Lakeland. They have a lot of prospects that have been playing so well and moving up in the farm system to get 
closer to Detroit. And there is a podcast that you can find out there on the interwebs called The Road to Detroit, and it describes this path to Detroit for all these prospects trying to make it up to the big leagues. And it is a great listen. Uh, I highly suggest it. It's not a step-by-step thing, but they talk about prospects. They talk about current players, some post play, some past players. It's a great listen if you ever come about it. And, and if you're a Tigers fan, I'm sure every organization has a podcast or a radio show of some kind similar to this. But the Detroit Tigers have become the laughingstock of the MLB. It's not the Chicago Cubs anymore. It's not the Baltimore Orioles. It's not the Kansas City Royals. It is the Detroit Tigers. Because of how Al Avila has been handling the team. And and A.J. Hinch cannot do his job if Al Al Avila... I keep, I'm going to keep messing up his name. I don't care. Al Avila, if he keeps messing up the team, if he keeps moving around the stuff, that is A.J. Hinch's position to do as general manager of the team to do so. And I know I said Al Avila is the general manager, and I misspoke. I'm going to repeat that here in a second. So A.J. Hinch is the GM of the team. And... I got to say I have been not I have not been a fan of a well AJ Hinch has he's done pretty well but he's had to deal with all the other people in in the organization and I don't know how he did it in Houston but I was impressed by all of that and the Detroit Tigers got rid of Rob Grossman. Uh, I thought he was doing fine, but I gotta say, I am, I am just kind of over this mishandling of the Detroit Tigers team. Really, just over it. And I could keep going on and on and on and on about this, but. I did want to get back to the Seattle Mariners for a second because their MLB trade deadline, all that shenanigans Googles, has come back to me. And the Mariners, of course, they announced they have acquired Jake Lamb from the Dodgers for a player to be named later or cash considerations. That is, he was a homegrown Seattle person, so he is going to do pretty well for, from the Dodgers to the for the Mariners, I'm sorry, I'm blanking out for a second. And then the Mariners landed star pitcher Luis Castillo from the Reds, and they made they made a lot of minor moves, at, like a added a veteran bat by dealing two pitching prospects for Santana, and it's just a lot of minor moves by Seattle's part. But what makes it interesting for me is that Seattle is just adding more firepower to their roster. And that's what the Tigers should have been doing, is adding more firepower. Yet they added a 24-year-old double-A pitcher whose projection can only land him so far. And I I have no idea how he plays. I've never seen this kid play before. I've never seen or heard of him before, granted because he was in the double-A Minnesota farm system. 
but that is a story for another day. I hope I am proven wrong by this trade. I really, really do. And until that happens, I am going to say fire Alavila. He has been mishandling this team for too darn long, and I think it's time for a change. And I'm not the only one saying this. Woodward Sports is saying this. ESPN might, may have been saying this. I have not been following them as of late. But a lot of people who are loyal to the Detroit Tigers are saying this. Social media has been blowing up about this. Not on a national scale, but more so in a regional scale. But, of course, I digress. I'm going to reserve some of this for a minute. I did say have faith earlier this season. I'm, I've kind of been just steamed out of faith. I don't. I thought the Tigers were going to have a turnaround season after the All Star break, and I was proven wrong. Actually, I was never proven right. To be honest with you, I was never proven right. And why I had my hopes so high, Lord only knows. So that is where I stand now with the Detroit Tigers. Shifting gears now to the turf away from the diamond. I want to take a quick look at the Big Ten Media Day. That happened last week now, seven days ago, in Indianapolis. And what I have to say about Big Ten Media Day is purely my own opinion. And there was a lot of talk about winning the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten East for teams like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. But there's also a lot of talk about beating each other's rivals, especially for Ohio State's Ryan Day. And and I say not completely from what he said, but I, I'm i reading some context clues here where he said, my, mark my words, this is going to be the year for Ohio State. We're going to beat that team up north. We're going to win the Big Ten East. We're going to win the Big Ten. And we're going to win the national championship. And... Of course, for Ohio State, that's not too far from being realistic. But then there's Michigan State with Mel Tucker saying the same exact thing. Michigan, of course, saying the same thing as well. But Michigan, I feel like, is in a better position than those other two teams solely because they won the Big Ten championship last season. Granted, they lost a lot of players. I said this again and again. And it will be continued to be said, Michigan needs to rebuild with what they have lost. And I do not see that being the biggest problem for Michigan. What I see the biggest problem for Michigan is, is that they need to keep their composure. They need to hit the ground running for where they left off. Will rebuilding the defense be a part of that? Absolutely. I'm not saying it's going to be completely out of the shambles. But what I am saying is Michigan needs to keep their composure. They cannot get cocky about last season and say, oh, we're all big Michigan. We won the Big Ten Championship for the first time in 17 years. We beat Ohio State last last season. They need to keep their composure, and they need to do what they have been doing. Granted, there has not been that much change other than winning the Big Ten Championship last year. And they've been getting quite a few good recruits for upcoming seasons. They have the talent to go back and back 
to the Big Ten Championship like Ohio State did the last four years. They have the talent. They have the capacity. They have the grit. They have the motivation to get back to the college football playoff. And when Jim Harbaugh said that his players will not flinch when they are in Columbus, says it all for me. It says that they are prepared even before the season starts. They are prepared to face Ohio State being the Goliath in the shoe. They are prepared to take down Goliath. They are tired of having this problem of not beating Ohio State. They are tired of just losing to Ohio State. Granted, last year was a fun year for being a Michigan fan. They want to change the narrative. They want to become the more dominant team in the rivalry again. They only have a. They are only ahead a few games in all time. Uh, all time games one. I believe it's now down to eight games ahead. Ohio State has, of course, closed that gap significantly. But, and I will say, continuing what Harbaugh said, and I, and I say, quote, there's nothing I really got to teach them or show them or tell them. I mean, I know our team really well by now. They don't blink, they don't flinch, and they just keep attacking and building. And that's definitely our goal to win the championship again. And then this article goes on to say, Harbaugh said that his players haven't shown any satisfaction or entitlement, keyword there, from the results from last season and that he has seen the same type of player-led leadership he saw last year. Harbaugh himself isn't sitting on his laurels either and knows there's still more that can be done. And I agree, there can be more, there is more to be done. Like winning the Big Ten East again, winning the Big Ten Championship, going back to Indianapolis, going back to the college football playoff. The work is not done until it's done. You have to have that Black Mamba mentality. You have to have that Kobe Bryant mentality where he was in the finals. It was two to nothing Lakers. I believe it was against the Pistons. Or no, I'm sorry. It's not the Pistons. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. But but a reporter asked Kobe Bryant, are you satisfied being too up to nothing? Are you happy with where you are at right now? He gives them a blank stare and says, you know what? Job's not finished. We have work to do. We, we're not satisfied. And that is the mentality that you need to get into. That is the mentality Michigan football needs to get themselves into. And from what Harbaugh is saying, it sounds like they're getting into that mama mentality. Everyone wants to get that mama mentality. And it's not just in basketball. It's in football especially. And, of course, let's see if they can reach all four of the goals that Harbaugh wanted to get. Beating Michigan State. Beating Ohio State in the same year. Winning the Big Ten Championship. Winning the National Championship. Those are his four goals, and he wants to attack with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. That is probably the greatest quote he has ever said, and I am going to live by that this season. I hope the whole team lives by that this whole season. I want to hear the whole 110,000 fans scream that at the top of their lungs when James Earl Jones says that in the introduction video in Ann Arbor 
oh my goodness, I'm getting riled up about this and I am excited for this. And to be honest, I'm going to, I'm stepping back slightly because will, do I think Michigan will succeed this season? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. Do I hope they reach all these goals? Absolutely. I do. Will they? That is yet to be seen. Ladies and gentlemen, Michigan football is not back yet. They are back being relevant, but they are not back. They are not back to being the winningest team of all time. Even though they are, they are not back to being championship teams again. They are not back to being what they were under Bo Schembechler, under Lloyd Carr, under Fielding Yost way back in the early 1900s. They they were they were supposed to be dominant dominant, excuse me, under Rich Rodriguez. That went down the toilet. That ladies and gentlemen went so far down it was never it was never coming back until Jim Harbaugh left San Francisco 49ers organization to come back to Michigan. Our hopes were risen when he first won the Citrus Bowl. Our hopes went higher and then they fell again. But after winning the Big Ten Championship this year, things look different. It took Dabo Sweeney seven years to win his first championship. Will it take Harbaugh eight? That is the big question that I have going forward now. It takes time for good things to happen, and Michigan fans know it. Some of them do not. Some of them do. But I will say this. A lot of people are impatient. A lot of people want them to win now. They wanted to win the first year, the second year, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Expectations are always high. They're always too high, to, as a matter of fact. And mine, mine were no exception. I had high hopes for Michigan. I had high expectations. Were they not, when they were not met, I was a little, little angered, a little sad. But now that Michigan has won a Big Ten championship, those expectations are going to be higher than ever before. And I'm excited to see what Michigan does. And I know my reaction is mostly on Michigan State, or excuse me, Michigan. But, of course, I am a more biased Michigan Wolverines fan. And I will say about Michigan State and Ohio State, they have lofty goals. Every team does. Every team wants to be the best of the best. But it just so happens that Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, potentially Iowa, are kind of at the top of the heap other than Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska. I feel like I'm missing a couple. Minnesota, Rutgers. They all have lofty expectations. They want to get better. That is apparent. But you have to beat the best to be the best. And further down the road, closer to the season, uh, I will be having one of my good buddies from my childhood on. He is a quarterback at the University of Indiana. And he will be on later this year, later this month rather, I do not have an exact date, but he will be on, and I'd love to get his player take on 
Indiana about being in the Big Ten as competitive as it is. And that that date is to be determined. But stay tuned and just wait and be happy that the season is coming. Before I go and end this episode here, I did say in my last podcast episode that I will be discussing Brittany Griner. And for those who have not been following this story, it has been quite the spectacle. So Brittany Griner was in Russia. She was arrested for marijuana possession, which she claims was for medical use. And but but in Russia, it is illegal to possess marijuana. They view alcohol as I so I've heard they you they view alcohol as a soft drink. So I've heard. I've never been to Russia. I've actually kind of wanted to go, but now now does not seem like the best time to go. Uh, but I've always wanted to just go visit every maybe once in my life. But I will say this story has been it has been a whirlwind. And I listened to the Jalen and, Jaco- Jalen and Jacoby show, and I, I've mentioned them a couple of times. If you have not listened to them, I would recommend it. They are an iconic duo. They've been doing a podcast and a show for 10 years, and they bring this up for the last 160 days, if that's the correct number. I could be very much wrong on it. But every ever since Brittany Griner has been in Russian custody, they have brought awareness to it when no one else was. And I give them props for it. I really do. And about this story, it has been... It's been a lot, let's say. It has been, it has, it's not, it's, it's not been up and down. It has been a very emotional story. It has been a very, it has been definitely, I, um, I'm sorry, it's been, it's been a lot. Let's just put it that way. It has been a lot. It has been difficult for some people. And I will say it's not easy. So, of course, Brittany Griner is a seven-time WNBA All-Star and two-time WNBA Defensive Player of the Year. And she has pled guilty to drug charges in Russia where she has been in Russian custody since being detained in February. And the Russian Federal Customs Service claims to have found vape cartridges containing the marijuana concentrate hashish oil in Griner's luggage. The 31-year-old is on trial for large-scale transportation of drugs, an offense that can carry a sentence to up to 10 years behind bars in Russia. And if you know anything about Russia... The prisons there are nothing like the U.S. prisons. They supposedly are much worse. They are very tough on their prisoners there. They are very... Let's just say the U.S. prisons are like five-star hotels compared to Russian prisons. Uh, But anyways... Griner's criminal trial started on July 1st and is likely ending soon, so it has not ended yet. And closing statements are scheduled for August 4th here in a couple days, and a verdict 
and sentence are expected the next day. And after the hearing on August 2nd, today, Grinder's lawyers argued that the state-appointed forensic expert who examined the cartridges found in her luggage made some technical and procedural errors. And CBS News reported that the defense team called another forensic expert, Dmitry Glavichev, to testify on the stand. And I quote, the, the examination of the cartridges did not comply with the legislation regarding the completeness of the study and does not comply with the norms of the Russian criminal code. And on July 27th, the United States has offered to exchange convicted Russian arms trafficker Victor Bout, who is known as the, he has, he has a very notorious name. It's, it's, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's not really important to the story. And it was a part of a potential deal with Russia to release Griner and a corporate security director, Paul Whelan, who is actually from Michigan. That same day, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said publicly the U.S. government has put a substantial proposal on the table, but did not confirm the reports regarding Bout. And his nickname is like the Merchant of Death or something. He is a very notorious arms dealer that the U.S. has custody of. And when this first came out of having this deal, I did not think that it was a great deal. Like a Russian arms dealer for an NWA player and a security advisor. Or excuse me, a corporate security director. I should be technical. I did not think it was a very f- good trade at all. It's not a it was it was proposed but I honestly thought the U.S. government was losing their minds over this. Literally. And so ever since February, she has been in custody over these charges. And we, of course, are expected to hear soon about what her sentence and conviction will be. Or excuse me, her verdict, not conviction. That is a whole different topic. But I just hope that things turn better than they do worse because a whole a lot of stuff could happen and I don't follow the WNBA too closely but I do know that this is a very big deal for them and so my hearts go out to her family to her specifically and I hope for her safe return back home to the U.S. and I know she has said some things that not a lot of people agree with but I do not agree with her being detained over something that we see as legal here in the United States. Well, at least most of us do. It's still federally not legal, but in Michigan and several other states it is. So I, I hope for her safe return, uh, especially for Paul Whelan. And I really do not think if this trade were true, I don't think it should happen. That's a little ludicrous to me. But that is the situation, kind of in a nutshell, about Brittany Griner. Thanks for listening to the Get Stuck Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's content. Be sure to come back Friday at really at any time. It really depends on when I put this out during the day. Hopefully sooner, earlier in the day than later. But come back Friday for more content, more talk about Michigan football, whether that's Michigan State. Grand Valley State, Fair State. I say Michigan as a general state 
rather than the University of Michigan. Come back for more pro sports, more news, more topics, more takes, and potential different topics. And one topic I am planning on doing next Tuesday is a history about the bunt, which is a great strategic play in baseball. That is coming up Tuesday, but Friday, come back more. Come back for Friday for more great content. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay stay cool, stay sunscreened up. Don't get sunburned, but hope everyone is doing well. We'll see you then.